You are Locked On MLB Prospects, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. And here's your host, Aram Layton. This is Locked On MLB Prospects, your only daily podcast on the future stars of Major League Baseball. As always, I'm your host, Arm Layton. I'm a prospect writer and analyst, and in today's episode for Thursday, May the 13th, we are going to be talking about a few of the hottest topics and hottest players right now in minor league baseball and major league baseball. And then, of course, you know I have to talk about some of my more underrated guys that I think should be on your radar. Going to discuss some of those guys because there are so many, especially after the start to the season, where I can kind of follow up on some of the names that I floated out there, seeing how they're starting this year, and especially just what I've been able to see from them because it's been such limited video and access to these players. Even the ones that I have liked for a while that I wanted to be able to see more of, it's just been so hard to see over the last year. So I'm having a field day so far following up on some of these prospects, seeing the adjustments that some have made and just really being able to have way more access now is just so amazing. At the big league level, I'm going to start with Adolis Garcia. And then as a little bit of a teaser, I'll be talking about Luis Medina as well as Nolan Jones, as he is more of a negative, unfortunately, and what's going on with Nolan Jones and whether it is time to start panicking if you are a Cleveland Indians fan. Let's start with the big leagues. We'll start with Adolis Garcia because I talked about Garcia earlier in the year. He is a very unique uh, player, somewhat similar, I guess, reminiscent of Randy Arozarena last year as this later bloomer, but he's even older at 28 years old and he's having a great year. I mean, there's no way around it. He has been fantastic and maybe so far the only guy that's really rivaling on the offensive side of things, rivaling Yerman Mercedes. I mean, if Yerman Mercedes is hitting 350 or 360 or 370, uh, whatever he's hitting right now, then nobody is going to compete with him for Rookie of the Year. But Adolis Garcia is starting to compile quite the resume. And while we're only in May, he's already starting to compile some stats that by the end of the year, I think you can look at the numbers and be like, man, this guy had a pretty darn good year, even if he does fall off a little bit. He's hitting 292 currently, 333 on base, 918 OPS, 9 home runs, 26 driven in, which is among the top in the league. And it's not like he's been slowing down at all. And when we first talked about him, when I first discussed him through the first week of the season, I was saying how there were definitely some encouraging signs. He made adjustments to his swing, which I'll get into in a moment. He also was making some strides with his plate discipline. And while he is still striking out 30% of the time, I was saying, you know what? I think there's something here where he's at least going to be a viable big leaguer. You're just going have to be able to deal with the strikeouts and the slumps and a little bit of inconsistency, but he's good enough and he's toolsy and he's exciting enough to where you have a big league piece here. The crazy thing is, is I thought that was a pretty optimistic take. And so far, he is even better than that. Yes, it's still early and I'm sure he's going to go through some bumps in the road, especially as the league adjusts to him a little bit, which is another thing I wanted to mention and I'll dive into in a second with the peripherals in his batted ball and swing data. But he's actually been getting stronger as the season has gone on. Over the last seven games, he's actually striking out less and flat out raking. 
He is hitting 417 with a 440 on base and a 708 slugging over his last seven games. He's 10 for 24 with two jacks, seven driven in, and two stolen bases. If you go over the last 15 games, he's hitting 315 with a 356 on base and four home runs. And then for the season, as I mentioned earlier, 292 batting average, 333 on base, and those nine homers. As it relates to the rest of the league, nine homers puts you right at it at the top with some of the best hitters in the game, which is also absurd. I mean with nine homers, you're tied with guys like Nick Castellanos, Freddie Freeman, Giancarlo Stanton, Chris Bryant, Rafael Devers, Byron Buxton. The only guys with more home runs are Shohei Otani, Jose Ramirez, Mitch Hanniger, my guy, J.D. Martinez, and Ronald Acuna Jr. So good company for my man, Adolis Garcia. It is crazy early, and I'm going to look at some of the more advanced numbers around Garcia to kind of talk about whether we're worried about him regressing a dramatic amount. I think it's pretty much inevitable that he's going to regress a little bit. I just don't think he's a guy that's going to flirt with 300, especially when you're striking out 31% of the time. But 31% K rate is not as bad as I thought it would be. I thought he'd be closer to 35, 36. That's where he was earlier in the season. And the big thing for him right now is that he crushes fastballs and actually breaking balls don't give him much of a problem either. Right now, the only thing that he has had issues with is the changeup. And he knows the changeups are coming. It's actually already been discussed. Like he's already talked about it with reporters and talked about how he knows teams are going to start coming after him with changeups. And that's why the Texas Rangers have apparently been working on that with him and getting him ready for that. Because so far, small sample size, but he's one for 15 against the changeup, while 345 with five jacks against the fastball and 303 with four jacks against the breaking ball. When I look at Adolis Garcia's metrics and just everything across the board here. I wanted to try to compare him to, and this is not to compare like their ceilings or where I think they can be or ability or anything like that. Just the type of player they are in terms of what they struggle with, what they excel in, and where we're going to see their strengths and weaknesses in general. I think that's just the best way to put it. And honestly, when I look at Luis Robert and what he did last year, I see these two as being somewhat similar. Uber aggressive hitters that are super toolsy, ridiculous bats speed, but really can be their own worst enemy at the plate. And when I first started this podcast, it was last season in that abbreviated year. And I was talking about Luis Robert a lot. And because of the fact that, of course, he was the uh, runaway favorite for the beginning of the season and for a lot of the season as the rookie of the year, eventually he hit a wall. And again, I'm not worried about him long term. I think Robert is doing a really good job now. His zone contact rate is up. He is not striking out nearly as much. The power is down, but I think he's really gone back to just making sure he squares baseballs up and is just trying to put the ball in play. I think the power will come back, but he is making the right moves right now and really just trying to make himself a more complete hitter with the speed he offers. That's the right move. But when we go back to last year, when I would do those rookie of the year check-ins, which I will do later on this year as well, I always said that I had some concern that he was going to hit a wall. And it almost seemed like that was inevitable because his chase rates were ridiculous, like unsustainably high. For a good portion of the season, they were around 45-50%. Even by the time the year was over and he had actually started to get those chase rates back in check a little bit by the end, it was still really high. He was at 40% with his chase rate in 2020. For reference, league average is 28%. That's something that he's still struggling with a bit this year as well. His zone contact is way up 13% to 81%, which is just about league average, but he still has the propensity to stretch the strike zone. You'll still take the improvements that he's made, has Luis Robert, especially with the whiff rate down. 
But when I saw that chase rate and what he was struggling with and just the fact that he would expand the zone so much, I was like, okay, the league is going to figure him out. He's going to start seeing more and more breaking balls and we'll have to see how he adjusts to that. And that's exactly what happened. He was seeing more breaking balls and more pitches outside of the zone and he was chasing them. And until he was going to lay off of them, that was going to be the problem for him. And that was really the story of the second half for him. And again, this was a shortened season. So the league started to adjust to him about 30 games in, 35 maybe maybe 40 games in. That's where he really started to hit the wall. And we're right about getting to that point with Adolis Garcia, yet he is as hot as ever. I would give it another 10-15 games to see how he is pitched to, if it's any different, and you know how things will go from there. But so far, Garcia has already shown a better ability to hit the breaking ball than Luis Robert did in his rookie season. And also, he's not chasing nearly as much as Robert was. Right now, the chase rate at 33%, a little bit higher than you'd want to see. And that's still going to be in the bottom quarter of the league. But still, with what Garcia's able to offer in terms of his tools, his ability to hit the ball hard, as long as he is not in the bottom 5% of the league and just egregiously bad with the chase rate, then he's going to be able to sustain some of the success. And he has plus plus raw power. He's a plus runner in the top 15% in, in sprint speed. And he's a great defender, a really good defender in the corner that I even think could have the capability of playing in center if they wanted him to play a little bit more out there. He seems to be a quick learner too, where as I've watched his at-bats from April now into early May, he seems to really understand how pitchers are going to try to attack him and try to get him out. And it's really worked for him as he's been able to apply that to his approach. He's looking to do damage early in counts, but he's also adjusting as it gets deeper and understanding that pitchers are aware of his power potential and they're they're not going to give in to him. And he has really cut the K rate down over his last 43 plate appearances, which is the month of May. The K rate is down to 25%. So he's looking like he's trending in the direction of being able to get that K rate under 30% by the time we get to the end of the month. And the only reason it's so high is because right out of the gate in April, he punched out 24 times in 71 at-bats, or plate appearances, excuse me. It was 66 at-bats. So he's gotten better with that. He's already matched his walk total from April in this 13th day of May. So a lot of really good things standing out here for Garcia. And he's really settled into the five spot in that batting order for the Rangers who have been surprisingly really solid this year. Do not sleep on Adolis Garcia. I really believe this guy is here to stay and all the numbers and all the indications point towards that. Also, what I've really liked and what I've seen from him is that his splits are consistent left versus right. They're pretty much identical, which is really good to see because he does have those issues with the changeup, but lefties with decent changeups still don't seem to really be able to dominate him like you'd think he may struggle against them. It's not really the case as much because he's able to see the ball up and go after the fastballs and make you locate that change. And if you don't, he's going to be able to get you. And that's what's been working for him. So it's been very impressive from Garcia. And I am looking forward to seeing what he's going to do as we extrapolate across the entire full season to see how much he is able to continue to build on this. But I think he is going to finish the year in the 275, 280 range. I really think he can do it. And he is on pace to hit 30 home runs. And there's a good shot he'll be able to do that as well. I'm going to talk about Luis Medina, who has really wowed me so far in his first two starts. And then I also want to discuss the concern around Nolan Jones and then some of my underrated prospects that should be on your radar that are also off to some hot starts this year that I think will continue it and we will probably wrap up after that. 
First, a reminder that this episode is brought to you by Locker Room. Locker Room is the first social audio platform made for sports fans. The app is free to download, and once you're in, you can talk with me, other fans, athletes, and insiders in real time about your favorite sport. I'll be hosting rooms for Locked On MLB Prospects once a week, so you can finally join in on the conversation you listen to here every day and ask me whatever prospect-related questions you have, and it will be fun. I'm looking forward to being able to answer those I guess technically in person, Locker Room is the perfect place to start or join conversations about the league. You'll find fans just like you on Locker Room for watch parties, debates, post-game breakdowns, and of course, reacting to the big news or rumors, which would be a call-up in our instance. You will have a chance to chat with me and of course, ask any questions that you have. Go download the free Locker Room app now, currently available on all iOS devices. Be sure to create a profile, link your Twitter, and join the MLB group for the latest league updates. You can follow me at our late in eight to be notified when my room goes live. I know you won't want to miss it. I'm looking forward to doing it at some point over the next week. I'll see you there. Locker room changing the way we talk about sports. Also brought to you by rockauto.com. Why pay 20, 30, or 50% more for the same auto parts from a chain store or a car dealership when you can just go to rockauto.com and use their easy-to-navigate website to find whatever car part you need, any make or model. rockauto.com is a family business that's been serving auto parts customers online for over 20 years. Go to rockauto.com and shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. They have everything from engine control modules to brake parts, tail lamps, motor oil, or even a new carpet. Whether it's your classic or daily driver, you can get everything you need and and a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. RockAuto.com's catalog is unique and remarkably easy to navigate. You can quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brand specifications and prices you prefer. Best of all, prices at RockAuto.com are always reliably low and the same for the professionals and the do-it-yourselfers. Why spend up to twice as much for the same parts? Go to RockAuto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Write Locked On in the How Did You Hear About Us section so they know that we sent you. Amazing selection reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. So let's get into Luis Medina, the Yankees pitching prospect who is very, very special. There's no doubt about how physically gifted he is. Really has the best pure stuff in the Yankee system. The only thing holding him back from being a consensus top 100 prospect is his command. That is really the only thing holding him back. He's been throwing 100 miles per hour since he was 16 years old. The Yankees signed him for $280,000 out of the Dominican Republic, and they've just been trying to develop him over the last few years. He was added to the 40-man roster after the 2019 season, and then they brought him to the alternate training site in 2020. So it's been very hands-on for him. And there's been a lot of interaction between the Yankees big league staff and Medina and working on his mechanics. And honestly, I've seen a lot of improvement with those mechanics, much more sound, much more clean. He's a pretty big guy at 6'3", 200. And so there are some long levers there, but he has been able to really command his stuff a bit better than he has in the past because throughout his minor league career previously, he was averaging about seven walks per nine innings. And that's obviously not going to fly. And he also would just sail pitches, make a lot of non-competitive pitches, which is the worst thing you can do for a pitcher. One of my biggest pet peeves in baseball is the term waste pitch. 
No pitcher intentionally wastes a pitch. However, you can waste a pitch if your command is so bad that it's non-competitive. Like if you spike a 40-foot curveball like we've seen Medina do it or you sail a fastball off the back net over the catcher and over the umpire's head, that's a waste pitch because you inadvertently wasted a ball by not even making a pitch that a hitter would remotely consider swinging at and doesn't even set him up for the next offering. But in terms of intentionally wasting a pitch that will never happen as each pitch serves a purpose and I think any pitcher would tell you that as well and I'm sure many of you agree with that but when it comes to Medina he was wasting pitches inadvertently and that was also uh, an issue for him because you were erasing your pitcher's counts your advantages and also you were falling behind in counts and it just was not able to really help him in any way it was only uh, working against him Apparently at the alternate training site, he was up to 102 miles per hour, which is just mind-blowing. And now through his first two starts, the numbers have been pretty darn solid. The Yankees started him in high A Hudson Valley, and so far he's made two starts. He's pitched nine innings, only surrendered two hits, and punched out 15. He's also walked four. And while four walks per nine is not ideal, it's not egregiously bad, which is really encouraging because he also demonstrated similar command in 16 and two-thirds innings in the Puerto Rican Winter League where he punched out 32 in 16 and two-thirds innings, but more importantly, and I'm saying more importantly because you know he's going to strike guys out even at that ridiculous rate of 17 per nine. More importantly, he was only walking three per nine in those 16 and two-thirds innings. I'm assuming he was overpowering guys with the fastball there, so I was really eager to see how he would look in Hudson Valley in high A because even in high A, you are not going to be able to just blatantly overpower guys as much with the fastball. I mean, you still can get away with it quite a bit, uh, but not to the degree that you could maybe in the Puerto Rican Winter League or in some other places or especially in A-ball. But the wild thing is in A-ball, he was incredibly wild. He walked 67 in 93 innings back in 2019. But the mechanics are much cleaner now and the curveball is an absolute hammer from him. It's a 12-6 downer, 70-grade pitch, and that's where he was racking up a lot of the strikeouts. And similar to Davey Garcia, as I've talked about, and I'm not saying these two guys are similar, but one thing they do have in common is that their curveballs break so much that they actually struggle to keep them in the strike zone. Most of the time, it doesn't matter because they are going to, or the hitters are going to chase them. That's usually the case. But still, as you start to face some more advanced hitters, or if you fool guys badly enough and they just take the breaking ball, then you're not going to be able to, you know, steal as many strikes as you'd like or get as many guys swinging at that pitch as you'd like. And also your walk rate's going to suffer. But we're seeing him command that breaking ball a lot better now. And the cool thing about it is it's pretty much straight 12-6, really good vertical break. So he's able to use it to both lefties and righties. And on top of that, has that 70 grade fastball. So Medina has a really good mix. I've actually been impressed by the changeup as well. He shows a good feel for that pitch. It's his obvious third pitch because the curveball is probably 70 grade. The fastball is 70 grade. The changeup probably 55, but I still like that. I mean, that is a great third offering for a guy that is as raw as Medina has been and really still is a pretty raw pitching prospect. Again, best stuff in the Yankee system, yet he's around their ninth or eighth prospect depending on who you ask, and that's far off from the top given what the state of the Yankee system is now. It's not that great. So I really think that Medina is going to be one of the names to watch as one of the guys that's going to start to make a push to the top 100 list as long as the command even remains 
not that bad. I'm not even saying good. The command doesn't need to be good. It just needs to not suck. His stuff is so good that he will be able to get away with mediocre command. So he just really needs to be mediocre with his command and he's going to be in double A relatively soon. I'm sure the Yankees are going to take it a bit easy with him, but I am very encouraged by the improvements that we've seen. The simplification of his mechanics, his repetition of the mechanics has been a lot better and he seems a lot more under control. Still only 22 years old, so he's got plenty of time and I think the Yankees are going to have a really nice piece here. We'll see how quickly he's going to climb up. He's obviously one of the candidates to be more slow and methodical as he makes his way through the minor leagues, but definitely a good piece here for the Yankees and probably as much upside as any player in the Yankee system, not named Jason Dominguez, but that's a whole other story as we don't even know what he looks like in game. So let's talk about now Nolan Jones because I've watched quite a bit of Nolan Jones now and heading into this season, I had my reservations. I had talked about why he's maybe fallen out of my top five third base prospects, which is already a pretty thin position in baseball in general right now in minor league baseball. And it's fun to talk about the numbers so far across minor league baseball. And some things are indicative of what we can see in the future. And most of the time, it's just too soon to really make any big assumptions from this start to the season especially since the last minor league season was over 600 days ago. But for Nolan Jones, a guy that was at the alternate training site, a guy that has uh, been very involved in getting live at bats and really has been able to kind of stay fresh as at least more than the average guy he's going against. And so far, I think in the start of the season, there's been a big difference between overall, a big difference between the guys that were at big league camp, the prospects that were at big league camp and the prospects who weren't. I had a chance to talk to a few different prospects, especially offensive prospects like guys that are hitters, and they were saying, yeah, we even talk about it with the team. The guys that were at big league camp, they're a lot more comfortable because they're already in a rhythm. Minor league spring training was a bit of a shit show for a lot of organizations, and players will be the first to tell you that. It was not nearly as organized as major league spring training, and from what I've been told, it's pretty much just universally accepted within these minor league teams that you know those guys that were at big league camp are going to get off to a bit of a hot start and I think it's kind of been evident as we look across the landscape in the minor leagues. Nolan Jones has been an exception to that and I had my reservations again coming into this season because of the fact that he cannot touch left-handed pitching like not even close. He's a 100 or 180 hitter or worse than that in his minor league career against Southpaws but so far this season he is really struggling against both. He's actually only seen one lefty all year. He only has four at-bats against left-handed pitching, where he's 0 for 4 with three Ks. Against right-handed pitching, he is 3 for 23 with 12 strikeouts. And what really concerns me is I'm not just looking at the box score and saying, oh no, it's the at-bats. They're really non-competitive at-bats. He looks quite lost up there and he looks just blatantly overmatched. He's guessing, he's out of control, and it's been really you know tough to watch. I, I really hope he's able to work it out. AAA was a little bit of an aggressive assignment for him, but you also have some issues with him even if he was hitting well right now where you already had the concerns about him being able to hit lefties enough. He does walk a lot, but even that, he's not walking that much so far this year. And also, he has defensive limitations. There's a lot of people that don't believe he can stick at third. Yes, I am sounding the alarm on Nolan Jones because even if he was hitting pretty well this year, there were still a bunch of questions to be answered. Now, there's even more. There's almost all questions with Nolan Jones. There's not very many answers right now. And I am definitely concerned about him. Not just because he's hitting uh, 111 or whatever he's hitting th- through the first few games this season. It's because of the fact that he looks 
overmatched in a lot of different ways, which was some of the concerns that I had with his swing. And then he also just never really has had any track record of being able to hit lefties anyway. So he needs to be dominating right-handed pitching. I'm not saying that he's doomed and it's over, but I'm definitely saying that it is time to get worried about Nolan Jones. And he needs to make some major adjustments at the plate because he cannot hit with his present swing and approach. And that was something I was hoping we would see him come into this year with some changes. And it just has not been the case. I'm going to talk about more positives, uh, the underrated prospects that should be on your radar, maybe some less underrated than others, but across the league, some names that I think should be on your radar. I'm going to get to that in just a second here. One more message from Sports Trade as well as Bet Online. We'll start with Sports Trade, where fantasy meets the stock market. It's really that amazing. Sports Trade takes fantasy to the next level. It's like Robin Hood for fantasy sports. Their platform allows you to buy and sell shares in your favorite players, just like in real stocks. A fair and exciting way to cash in on your sports knowledge. And they just added baseball to the platform, so go check it out. Making money with Sports Trade is as simple as a player's value rises or falls based on two factors. One is their statistical performance in each game as compared to their projected fantasy points in that game. The more points scored, the higher their value goes. Two, good old supply and demand. The more demand a player has, the higher their value goes as well. When you're ready to buy shares, pick that penny stock in a rookie with huge upside or grab the blue chip prospect who's always a solid performer. You can instantly buy and sell as many shares and as many players as you'd like, just like the stock market. Then you can watch your players battle and your portfolio value rise. Simply go to sportstrade.com, watch the How It Works video and sign up to get started. Sign up today at sportstrade.com and discover the fun and exciting and profitable new world of sports trading also brought to you by betonline.ag betonline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action get all the latest news odds and info for all your sporting needs including mlb nba nhl and all of your ufc and mma action don't sit on the sidelines anymore this is your chance to get into the game as teams prep for their runs to the playoffs and of course baseball is well underway Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit by using the promo code LOCKEDON. That's one word, LOCKEDON, for a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. So this is my favorite part where I get to talk about some underrated guys, some normally rated guys, and just float plenty of names of players that I think should be on your radar. This is always cool for everybody, I think, because I get a lot of people telling me, oh, you helped me with my fantasy leagues. Then I get others telling me, you know, you helped me find some diamond in the rough baseball cards. And then others that are just like, it's cool to know who's up and coming that is outside the obvious. So I will be going through all those types of guys. And I wanted to start, though, with one negative, which was surprising. It's early, super, super early. But it looked like Asa Lacey had the jitters big time in his first outing, six walks in an inning and two thirds. That's something to watch to see how the command is. That was never an issue for him. I just wanted to mention that because I thought that was pretty crazy. Just wanted to touch on that. But let's talk about the positives now. So looking at the Pirates is who I wanted to start with because they are probably the worst team in Major League Baseball on paper. And uh, I think by the time it's all said and done, it's going to be between them and the Tigers for the worst record in baseball. Both systems have some guys that are worth being excited about. Both systems have some underrated guys, especially the Pirates, who I always talk about Tanaj Thomas, and he is off to a good start. His first outing, he went three innings and punched out seven. All he did was give up one earned run on a solo shot. And I mean, that's a pretty dominant outing to strike out seven in three innings. But I've talked about him ad nauseum. 
Let's talk about Cannon Smith because he's a new arrival over to Pittsburgh. He came over in the Jamison Tyone trade, and I was very surprised to see him dealt, actually. I thought the Yankees were going to try to hold on to him. I have thought for a while that he is a very underrated prospect because he's a good combination of a very high probability big leaguer, in my opinion, but also has a chance to be a pretty darn solid big leaguer as well because he's got plus raw power and a good hit tool. I think the hit tool is really undervalued, and by the end of this year, it's going to be more in the 55 range. I think a lot of people are going to start to bump their grades up on his hit tool. He's in double A right now for the Pirates at 22 years old. He's a corner outfielder, can also play first base, and a left-handed hitter that has some sneaky pop and walks a lot. In 2019 with the Yankees, at A-ball, he was a 20-year-old, 124 games, hit 11 home runs. He actually stole 16 bags, too. We'll see if he's able to kind of have some sneaky speed. He's not fast, but he does get good jumps and just kind of shows you the uh, cerebral aspect of his game as well. He gets the most out of all of his tools. He drove in 74 runs. He hit 307 with a 154 WRC plus in A-ball. Most importantly, in my opinion, 14% walk rate, 20% K rate. Those are all really encouraging. He's walked a ton throughout his entire minor league career. And so far this year in double A, he skips high A, which is a testament to how polished he is at the plate. And he is off to a great start. Six games so far, he's already hit a home run. He is hitting 333 and has walked more than he struck out. Really, when I look at Cannon Smith, he checks a lot of the boxes of things I want to look for in a high probability big leaguer, and that is exactly what he has going on for him. He has the hit tool and power blend. While nothing absolutely wows you about his game, he also has a really good approach and is an advanced hitter up there for a 22-year-old. You would think he was a lot older by the way he carries himself out there and at the plate. So that is one of my more underrated guys that I was very excited to talk about and I think should be on the radar of many because he will be somewhat of a fast climber and I think the Pirates have their long-term first baseman there with Cannon Smith. I really do believe that, and he's got even splits as well to go with that. Another guy, bigger name though, but Kate Cavalli, somebody that I've mentioned could be one of the steals of the draft when we look back. A potential top 10, top 15 pick that fell just outside of it towards the back end of the first round and a steal for the Nationals. He's really shown it so far, starting in high A and it's just been overpowering guys, but also showing a good feel for the breaking ball. He's been commanding the fastball pretty well and it's an electric fastball. I've been really impressed by him so far and definitely a guy worth watching. Also, how about Jordan Walker, another big name, not really uh, surprising you or putting anybody new on your radar, but he has been hitting the ball as hard as anybody in the minor leagues. He got the assignment and low A for the Cardinals, which he's a very, very raw player. So the fact that he is off to this kind of start, I think you have to be incredibly encouraged, even though it is low A if you are the Cardinals, because a lot of people were concerned about the swing and miss in his game. Everybody knew the kind of power he can offer. And so far, nine walks against six strikeouts, a pair of home runs, a triple, a double, and he's just looked really solid through his first 30 plate appearances. Yes, it's early, but typically you see those big power high school bats with some swing and miss concerns struggle out of the gate and that just hasn't been the case for him and I'm really excited about that. Also of course Alberto Hernandez I've told you about him keep an eye on him he has been 
really darn good. But another super intriguing player that I highlighted as the best piece, in my opinion, in the trade with Nolan Arenado, and it was obviously not a very good package whatsoever, but I thought if there's one guy that can really salvage the deal that I talked about was Elaris Montero. Montero was starting to get some prospect hype after 2018, had a really good year in A-ball and high A, and then battled a ton of injuries in 2019, had some really bad numbers overall when he got the aggressive assignment by the Cardinals to double A, and fell off the prospect rankings and fell off the radar of a lot of people. But as I've talked about, if you haven't heard that episode in the past, because I don't really mention Alaris Montero a ton. So if you missed that episode, what I talked about is that he actually had the worst injuries you could have for a hitter of his type and just a hitter in general. He's very handsy. He loves to just throw his hands at the ball. He's got super, super quick bat speed and quick wrists. And he had a broken handmate bone and wrist issues. Like that's the worst thing a guy like that could have. So now he's healthy and he's swinging it again really well in double A. And I was really hoping that would be the case. And so far, it looks like he's starting to show that he's more like that guy we saw in 2018. He is hitting so far this year, 345, a pair of home runs. He has the strikeout rate back down under 30% to 25. He's walking a ton. And I mean, this is more so what we saw in 2018, where in high A ball, he hit really well. He hit 286 as a teenager in high A. And then he also hit 15 home runs as a teenager in 103 games in A ball. And just mashed there. So this guy has shown that he can hit and he could be a good piece here, a good little sneaky piece for the Rockies with some plus raw power and could potentially end up taking over the third base spot if he can get the glove going a little bit, maybe limited to first base. And I think that might be the more likely outcome for him. Also a guy worth your attention with the Tigers, Bryant Packard. I like his swing a lot. He hit all the way through the minor league or through college, excuse me, at East Carolina, a smooth left-handed swing off to a decent start in high A for the Tigers. He's never going to light up the stat sheet, but he is super consistent. He walks a lot, keeps the strikeouts in check, and I think his swing is going to continue to play up. He's put together some really good seasons so far. In 2019, he was great in the minor leagues. This is another high probability big leaguer that has some really, really good bat-to-ball skills. Two more guys I wanted to highlight very quickly. Owen Miller, one of the pieces that came over to the Indians in that trade for Clevenger. One of the overlooked prospects in that deal, but probably one of the, again, I feel like I'm repeating myself a lot, but this guy is a guaranteed big leaguer. How good he's going to be at the big league level, I'm not sure. He is a shortstop by, I guess, definition, because that's where he's listed at. He has some defensive limitations. The bat is what's going to carry him. While he's not a great shortstop, he does have the versatility. He can be kind of average anywhere. Second base, he has the ability to play third. I think the arm is just strong enough over there too. And you know what? He can hit. He can just flat out hit. It's really going to be dependent on his bat to see how much of a regular he's going to be, but definitely has a good shot to be the utility type. And I think he's really interesting. The other piece that came over in that deal was Gabriel Arias. And I'm a big fan of Arias. He's off to a slow start this year, just a 143 batting average, but he's already walked seven times. He's still settling in. I thought AAA was a pretty aggressive assignment for him. And he is definitely worth keeping an eye on because he's young for AAA and I do believe in his ability as a shortstop and he's a pretty well-rounded player over there. Definitely worth your attention. Sorry I couldn't help myself but one more player a little bit bigger of a name but Gunnar Henderson off to a great start for Baltimore. He's hitting 357 in low A. He is a shortstop and a real shortstop. Really toolsy, well-rounded and 
he is somebody that I believe is going to start playing his way into the top 100 list by the end of this year and has a ton of a ton of helium potential right there, meaning that I think he's going to shoot up the boards. He's one of those guys that's not going to kind of push his way in. I think he's going to shove his way into the top 100 lists. And I've heard a lot of good things about Gunnar Henderson. He's putting up some crazy exit velos. He just hits the ball really darn hard. And I'm eager to be able to watch a little bit more of him because I have liked what I've seen so far. I could probably go through a million prospects and I'll definitely keep doing this as we go on. Some more underrated players. Of course, you can always DM me and ask me about certain players. I'll answer it, maybe even save it for the episode, but I always want to make myself available to you. As always, thank you for listening. Thank you to those who take the time to leave ratings as they help me immensely with visibility and be sure to tell your friends about the show if you enjoy it. I've been really humbled to watch it grow and it's been really fun being able to share this prospect content with you and I really do appreciate you listening to me as I know there's a lot of podcasts out there. I feel like everybody has a podcast, so I really do appreciate it. Thank you as always and I look forward to talking prospects with you tomorrow.